0: the athletic Hello and welcome to From the Rookuin, a podcast all about her life, following Watford FC, brought to you by The Athletic. And are you joining myself, John, Michael?
1: What? (laughs) Jason? Come on, it's the last game of the
2: season, I'm in my shorts, it's peeing down with rain, I'll get on with it, get on with it. If you could describe Watford season as weather, we're in it. (laughs) It's grey, it's overcast, it's relentlessly damp and miserable the perfect ending to Watford's woeful Vicarage Road campaign
0: yeah and unfortunately it did end Watford won Leicester City 5 uh, definitely 5 wasn't it I did give up counting at one yeah, point it,
2: yeah I mean but it let, may as well have been 10
0: Yeah, well, don't worry we're not going to just talk about this game in this podcast we've spoken we've to lots of friends of ours uh, about the new Watford manager Mr Rob Edwards and we'll, we'll hear from them uh, including Adam Leventhal to find out what happened this week uh, behind the scenes but of course this game finished with this very clear noise Arizona, 20, Mike, we we we've talked about the, the, these players uh, in in the week when they pretty much unchanged team that that played against Everton. We said they weren't weren't any good. <laughs> they weren't any good. They were a little bit a little bit more together. I like they know. played two games together, but.
2: You know, you look at their final score, there's nothing we can, we can really say them as, as a, a group. They weren't, they weren't any good in terms of, in, if, if the Premier League is your, is your terms of reference, they weren't any good in terms of getting results. But at least what they showed on Wednesday was a little bit of fight, effort and gumption. And we got that again from, from the start today. And they actually played for 15 minutes pretty well. And you, you kicked off by talking mentioning the booze there, John, at the end. What I will say is that the, the Watford crowd this season have been extraordinarily patient. Because this season at home has been nothing short of a catastrophe. It has been a disgrace in footballing terms, in entertain in entertainment terms. So for it to take until the last kick of the ball at, at home for the for the for the crowd really to to, to get vociferous in their dissent, I think is, is credit to this to, to Watford supporters. I think it shows that they understand perhaps some of the factors at play, some of the incidents some of the reasons behind what we've had to endure this season but, but we can talk about the fact that that was a second string Watford side we can talk about the, the, the fact that Watford are, are relegated, Leicester haven't really got anything to play for and, and, and are better than us so it could have always been 5-1 because that's what happens at this time of the season but that performance, that game was a carbon copy of virtually every single home fixture this season with a few, precious few exceptions, in as much as this Watford side is not even close, and I mean that, close to being competitive. I'm going to screw you slightly there, Michael. I don't think it's carbon copy. I think this is the first time
0: we've actually made... We, we were our own downfall, and Let we be, haven't done that much this year.
2: We were our absolute own downfall. Let, we were our own downfall, and I think that is because there are, there's a lack of quality, yep. and also there's a lack of application... We weren't able to put together a side that was... And, and to go back to my, my point, that was even remotely competitive. And I mean remotely. It was virtually at the point where every Watford home game was pointless. and I, Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> Jason, though, the goals, most of them at
0: least, were gifts. You're parting our yeah. gifts from, from, we're leaving the Premier League, Leicester. Here, <laughs> enjoy yourselves. Because we, they weren't amazing. No. They were... Well, and they took the opportunities that we gave them.
1: I mean, they didn't have to try, did they, really? And he's sort of talking about this game being a, a carbon copy of the of the season, or sort of every home game of the season. Like it, I mean, it actually summed up the season quite nicely, didn't it? There was a bit of promise, a bit of hope at the start. And we probably had opportunities. I think we had opportunities to, to, to go two up, didn't we? we? We had chances we were the better side for those first 15 minutes. And then not just mistakes, but really glaring, stupid Sunday league type mistakes. Two players jumping into each other when trying to head a ball. Keeper coming out for a ball that barely reached the edge of the area when, when the Vardy was being mar- had a man on him already. God knows what he was thinking there the change in tactics which for at half time I, I could see why that why we did that but no one seemed to know what they were doing and just... what, do, what do you mean you can see Jason so, what do you mean
0: you can see I do not see okay. <laughs> so I, the, now, the only thing I could see was at half time Rob's in the stadium <laughs> you'll hear later on about the different tactical systems he used when he's at Forest Green he's rung down the, the phone's gone in the, in the changing room Roy no Ray's picked it up and Ray's gone yeah Meh. if you want We've heard from Rob, he wants you to just try out three at the back because he's interested in seeing if we could do it. That,
1: why else would you do it? So what I saw in the first half was Adam Messina, I'm doing this thing where I feel a little bit sorry for, for players again, seemed to spend all of the time having to come in central to either fill the void where our midfield had gone missing or to clear up errors that were being made by our centre-backs. Now they are only being, of course, I think he was involved in that first goal where... The clash with with Kafkar. but he was time and time again having to come in and clear out because other players were nowhere to be seen. So you think natural okay, that's fine. Let's, let's let's go three at the back then. Let's make Messina part of that that back three, and we're not having to do that. And we've got that cover, and they were playing two up top, weren't they? With sort of Vardy, I think. Jewsbury Hall was pushing on quite a bit as well. So okay, that that kind of kind of made sense. But it does feel. I mean, you, you sort of jokingly say about Rob Edwards, it did feel like they have gone in at half time has gone right we're going three at the back out you go lads because no one knew what they were doing when they came out no one had a clue
2: it was good for 17 seconds though
0: <laughs> <laughs> Before, 17 I thought it was 18 oh well I don't 17
2: matter. 18 seconds and it's and it's 3-1 down and it's just yeah it's just and then from there on in it was just it's just a procession again wasn't it of you know what, but the, what I will
0: say is that you know look look at let let's find some positive right? Joao Pedro though yeah he is the mo- he must be the most frustrated man in Vicarage Road yeah apart from you Mike
2: you got effort from him you've got maximum effort for him throughout I think uh, name check him a bit but rich my cousin, saying I don't know what he is you know is he a, is he a through the middle is he a wide man what where does he where does he play and I think that's something that he's probably struggling with that's something that we've struggled with and you know looking for for positives then he is one that you would hang your hat on today and in a perfect Mirror image of the season again. Kamara comes on at half time, <laughs> halfway through proceedings, and again is someone who at least is looking to to, to give it all he's got. So yeah, if you.
0: João Pedro, though, you know there were, he had three really good shots on target. That's always a good thing. Not quite finishing them though. Not quite in the place where you would expect a, an in-form or a confident striker to, to put no. those. He is trying those little flicky things, but no one's in, in tandem with him. No. no one's sort of in the same headspace as him. That really... I do put a little bit of that down to him, but a lot of it down to it is he hasn't played with anybody and isn't being given the opportunities
2: he deserves. Well, well, He's playing up front with with, with King Ken Samah, who is left-footed as they come. And so the limitations there are are, are clear for everyone to see. Samuel Callow, who I was very um, hasty to dismiss last week, he's probably a fine footballer, but... Did you really see anything from him today that puts him in the Premier League bracket? No, I, I don't think so. So if you're if you're Pedro and you're playing with someone who's only got one foot and someone who's demonstrably probably not demonstrably probably, can you be that? I don't know. <laughs> or in all likelihood, I don't think there's going to be many Premier League teams sniffing around Samuel Kalou, for example. Now our relegations confirmed. So when you are the the, the 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 pivotal point of a front line that is blunt. Really, really not up to it when it comes to when it comes to Premier League football. You're going to find it very, very difficult. To his credit, he kept going. He, he worked really hard. At least he asked questions of the defenders, and he, he gave us something to look to to enjoy. Enjoy is the wrong word, but he gave us some little flicker of hope. And on another day, he could have had a couple of couple of goals. He, he's, a, he's a good player. We, will we get to see him again here at Vicarage Road? I hope so, because I think there is obviously a fine player there. But we need and do we build our front line around him and and Cucho? Uh, that, is that the dream for the championship? You'd like to think he'd do well in the in the championship, Jace? I think, I think he's, he's still got a lot, a bit to learn. I think I think it's fair to say. You talked about the little flicks and tricks
1: he tried. There was one in the second half where he's in acres, acres of space, but he's got a lot of space. He's got time to control the ball, turn, have a look, see what his options are, and he's gone straight for the sort of flick, sort of let the ball run through his legs and then flick it, trying to flick it past the defender. And he, That's a bit frustrating when you see him do things like that. Towards the end of the game, you talk about him being frustrated. I think he'd got to the point where he's getting deeper and deeper, trying to get the ball, pick it up, so he can be involved in the game because he 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 wouldn't have been otherwise. So you're right; you can see that the, the, the willings there. He wants to do it. He wants to contribute. Probably a lot more than some of the other players we saw today who were wandering around a bit at the end. But lots to learn well, maybe not lots to learn something to learn there but, but yeah there's, a, there's definitely a player there and it would be nice to see him back next season
0: something to refine uh, and I think if he refines out Watford we'll get a good season out of him next year and then we can sell him for a, cu- a couple of million quid here then everywhere
2: just to finish off on the game and John I know you'll be, you'll be desperate to try and be positive no 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 not, not positive <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely realistic that was
0: and this is the worst Watford team we've ever had in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, it was, it was absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. And, and I think we have to recognise that we have been served up a bad, bad side. And, you, and, and there will be people who have been screaming all, all year about the hierarchy of this, the hierarchy of that. And now we've come to this, the denouement, the end, the last home game of the season where we've had the, our trousers pulled down uh, and our bottoms smacked once again. They've f- they failed. They, you know, Gino Pozzo has failed because he's delivered a side that has week in, week out, been nowhere near good enough. So they have to hold their hands up to that. There's nowhere really for them to hide. There's no point us ranting and raving. I'm not going to rant and rave like we haven't all, all season. There's nowhere for anyone to hide. The, it's there in black and white, the results. 20-odd thousand people have seen it here week in, week out with their own eyes absolutely miles off it there are perhaps a few mitigating circumstances about the summer finances I've seen people complain about putting relegation clauses in is 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 tantamount to accepting defeat well I don't agree with that I think that's that's sensible bearing in mind everything that's happened this has been a cock-up of of absolutely enormous proportions and if they can't see it and if they don't act on it then it's going to get worse that's that's the bottom line They need to get players in that are the right character, that are going to work with each other, going to work for the head coach, and work for this football club, because far too many of those players obviously don't give a hoot about the about the football club, obviously don't give a hoot about getting this season over the line with as limited as with as damage limitation. They're not even bothered about damage limitation, and that is not good enough. The fact that the home crowd have had to sit through. That, week in, week out, is, I'm going to say it, pretty much a disgrace. We should have been better than that. We've completely wasted this season. Don't confuse our measured tones for not recognising what an absolute disaster this has been. They've got to learn. Let's hope they do. From the Rookery End, a podcast
0: about life following Watford FC. And the man who, hopefully, will be... Helping them with their learning uh, and leading the way is Mr Rob as We discussed on the podcast the other day, uh, initial feelings for it. But of course, we got in touch with lots of our friends uh, who know quite a bit about this man. Uh, first up, we've got a, a, quite an early message from one Jackie Oatley. Of course, Jackie's been a part been on the podcast many, many times. She's got a little of a soft spot, I think, for Watford Football Club. Uh, and she sent us a quick message on Wednesday about her feelings about this appointment.
3: Hi, everyone at the Rookery End podcast. As I tweeted, I happen to think this is a, a really good move for Watford. Exactly the sort of person that I was thinking about you bringing on when I was last on the pod and talking about somebody who could ideally unite the club and particularly bring the players closer together with the fans... It just hasn't had that feel recently uh, from my outsider's perspective and and I think that's fair to say. Rob's a good move because all I've heard about him over the years and the time in particular that he's been at Wolves is really positive stuff. For example he served under Stala Solbakken and Paul Lambert and he got the under 23s promoted in his time there. Uh, He'd initially worked for free when he finished playing and he worked at Wolves for free and Manchester City for free and they both offered him jobs, he took the Wolves one. Uh, And that's when he carried on working under those managers, eventually took a move to England, under-20s as their assistant uh, and he was also in charge of the under sixteen. so he got to know some very good players and worked with the likes of Jacob Ramsey at Villa, Anthony Gordon of Everton and Tommy Doyle who's very highly regarded at Manchester City as well so I reckon that it's can be pretty handy for you, the fact that he has those contacts of those young players who will know what it's like to work under him. And apparently he's a very good man manager, very, very good people person. And if you've seen any of his interviews, you'll know how well he comes across. He's just a very, very good communicator as well as being a good manager. So hopefully those players will remember that and will want to come to Watford on loan. Uh, some of those younger guys who want to take their opportunity in first team football. And I'm really positive about the move. I know what everyone's saying about it. will be gone by Christmas, gone by October. But I think, you know what it's like in life and in football, if you see an opportunity that, that you can actually make a difference and not just for his career, but hopefully for Watford, it'll really work out. And I'm positive on your behalf. Hope I'm right. Good luck.
0: Of course, we're going to have to get used to this life in the championship and the EFL. George Elect from Not The Top 20. Uh, we had him and Ali who run that podcast Uh, on a couple of times in in recent years. Experts can only be described as experts. Some may call them geeks when it comes to the EFL and how much detail they go into. You've probably even seen them on some of the EFL coverage on Sky Sports. Their podcast, not the top 20. Some of you might want to start subscribing to because, hey, that's us. Uh, But find out a little bit more about what George knows about Rob Edwards and his time at Forest Green, what he achieved there and what things he changed in his year at Nailsworth.
4: If I was a fan of a club, I think Rob Edwards would be kind of the perfect person you want to be taking over. Because before we even get into him as a manager, him as a man is the most marketable, media savvy, good looking, perfect guy to be managing your football club. You know, this is a guy who his interviews are so impressive. You know, you listen to him talking about football and you immediately kind of want you're rooting for him straight away. I had the pleasure of meeting him as well and he's exactly the same in person too. But in terms of his management ability... The important thing to, to think about with him is that he took over a Forest Greenside last summer who had been top of the table halfway through the season and then had massively fallen away. And they barely made any adjustments to that squad. But his ability to, to take individual players and in a short amount of time turn them into something completely different is something I've never really seen before at that level. You look at the the League Two shortlist for player of the season you had Matt Stevens in there who scored well over 20 goals despite missing uh, the last couple of months of the season. He spent the second half of last the last campaign on loan at Stevenage, having been deemed surplus to requirements at, at Forest Green. You then got the winner of the League, One player, League 2 player of the season, who was Kane Wilson, who played 20-odd games in the season before and was a bit part player. You never see a right wing-back win that award, and yet he was so impressive and so good that his contract's out at the end of the season because Forrest Green hadn't moved to renew his contract because that was by no means a given beforehand. Jack Aitchison, another player who played a big part in, in, in the promotion season, was out on loan the season before. So you've got yourself a manager who isn't someone who is going to need wholesale changes in terms of, of player recruitment. I know that the Watford way, generally, and, and because of the relegation, and certain players will be leaving anyway. The recruitment is generally and has generally been pretty good at a Championship level, if not at, at Premier League level. But in Edwards, you've got a proper coach, someone who, you know, will be will take the squad that he has given, and I have absolutely no doubt that that will translate to a higher calibre of technical player, where he'll be able to to take certain players, look at their game, and immediately improve their output on the pitch. We've had one season of him as an EFL manager, so it's a small sample size, and there's nothing to suggest that he isn't, you know, a very good spotter of a player. But you know, the, the way that Watford seems to work, from from me looking in from the outside, is that the head coach isn't really given much freedom in terms of the transfer market. It's it's the recruitment team, and it's the you know it's the potsos themselves who do most of the, the recruiting. So so yeah, I, I think that's probably fair um, in terms of the style of play. You know we, we saw Forrest Green adopt a style where um, they had two full backs the aforementioned uh, Kane Wilson and Nicky Cadden on the left hand side who were basically their two most creative players the, the whole game was about getting the ball wide to Wilson who is an elite ball carrier someone who'd get to the byline and, and get crosses into the box and Cadden who's much more of a you know a, almost like a deep line playmaker from wide where he would look to get balls in a brilliant left foot great delivery with also the go- goal scoring now as well to get to the back post when it was Wilson delivering the crosses with two strikers up front who and the goal scoring burden fell on both of them so a proper kind of 3-5-2 the centre of midfield not necessarily used to be dictating play and keeping hold of possession and looking to be
5: creative Is it possession heavy?
4: It wasn't particularly possession heavy at Forest Green I wouldn't be surprised if that changed at, at Watford I don't think by definition it's not possession heavy but it's certainly not a, a Russell Martin or a, or a Liam Manning style where the first port of call is keeping hold of the ball and looking to win it back at any cost. I think certainly Forrest Green were very happy to surrender possession for large periods of the game, especially when they were ahead uh, and surrender territory. They also looked to press at times as well. He, he certainly feels to me like a manager who can do both. But given that he is going to have, you would think even if big name players do leave Watford, you think he's going to have a squad who will be amongst the top three or four in terms of technical ability. So he might look to, to change that. And, and for all I know, he went into Forest Green, looked to the, the squad, saw Wilson and Cadden and therefore decided to build a team around them. There's nothing to suggest that he will definitely do the same here at Watford. You know, he maybe he'll look at the squad and decide that another style of play is, is most effective. And, and the fact that he's got his assistant manager coming with him, I think is is big too, because I know that those at the club uh, feel that like he
5: was a, a big, big part of their success. A few weeks ago, uh, I was doing one of the Twitter spaces with, uh, with Watford fan Charlie, and he asked me to come on there with a lo- number of other people and propose a candidate for Watford's new head coach. So I consulted you and, and Ali, you're not the top 20 co-host, and asked you for some suggestions from the EFL. And interestingly, Rob Edwards wasn't on the list of names that you gave me. So is, is this a surprise that we've gone down to League Two to, to, to get him, do you think?
4: Pure reason and the only reason why he wasn't on the list was because it just seemed totally ridiculous to even suggest. Uh, And that Mm. isn't because it's a bad appointment. It's just because we never see this. We never see... And I'm incredibly excited as someone who obviously loves the EFL. I'm so excited to see this because it feels like League 2 excellence isn't really necessarily often judged particularly fairly and, and we, we very rarely if ever see managers pluck from League 2 and, and move into a Championship job and then you take into the, into account the fact that it's Watford and of any club in the Championship Watford a couple of weeks ago probably felt like the least likely one who would move to uh, employ a forest green manager who just won promotion in his first season in charge so it definitely wasn't any slight on his on his ability the fact that he wasn't there it just seemed too outlandish too ridiculous to probably suggest at the time but that's not to say that it won't it won't work it does feel the one thing i will say is is it probably comes with the most risk where you know his ceiling is very high but at the same time we we only have one season of 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 kind of data to work with here he managed Telford in non league for one season as well which i think has been a massive positive because it meant he went into the forest green job having been a manager before rather than completely blind but at the same time for 3 quarters of the season forest green were the best team in league 2 by miles they had a really alarming drop off over the over the last 6 weeks or so now there there are probably mitigating circumstances for that one of which being that unless there was some weird statistical mathematical anomaly. The Forest Green players basically knew that they were promoted back in January or February. So to keep up the intensity would have been difficult. You've also got key players who were out of contract. So whether it was Kane Wilson who looks likely to to possibly go to Nottingham Forest, although I do now wonder if if Watford could come in for him. Ebu Adams a very big centre midfielder as well. Do you think those
5: players like like Edwards, you think those players are capable if if he wanted them to to of making that jump from League Two to the championship? I
4: think Wilson could be. I I think he's the one at twenty two years old there are very few players who have his skill set of being a right wing back who can get up and down the flank for 90 minutes who have the ball carrying ability to to stand up a man and beat them on the outside or on the inside and has the quality in the final third to deliver the ball in well he'll probably have to improve again there's a reason why he's being and has been linked to Forrest for the last 6 months we're going to lose Jed Spence you know he's he's going to play championship football next season whether that's for for Watford or not so he'd be the one i mean the others possibly not i think it would be a bit of a mistake you know we saw the, the most similar move managerial move to this that we've seen in the last 5 or 6 years was was when paul hurst moved from from shrewsbury to ipswich and that wasn't even a massive jump because shrewsbury had finished 3rd in, in league 1 the season before but just in terms of size of club switch at the time um and hurst went and got a couple of shrewsbury players immediately in john nolan and toto Enciala, and that didn't work well and i think it would be it would be a bit of a mistake for Edwards to um, to to kind of raid Forest Green, um, and going back to that poor run of form, you have to wonder. You know, I'm pretty sure Rob Edwards didn't just have the Watford offer on the table. Maybe he's known for the last few months that that he was going to be moving on as well. So I'd be inclined to forgive him, even though I'm very excited about this move, and I'm a huge fan of Edwards and what he's done so far. And you know, I love promoting uh, the, the you know the the ability of of um, EFL managers I- I'm not sitting here telling you this is a sure, sure thing that it's going to be a success by any stretch you know he's going to have to start well and, and you always feel like managers who maybe even though from what I can see the reaction from Watford fans has been wholly positive which is very very refreshing because of his background you might think he'll, he won't he will get quite as long to turn that around if things don't start well as, as maybe managers with, with more of a, a CV at, at a higher level
5: the reaction has been positive, but I think such is the disdain for Roy Hodgson from large sections <laughs> yeah. of our fan base. I think we, we could have appointed you and Ali in the job, we would have had people doing cartwheels, to we be We did honest. apply, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, uh, just one one final one on, on him. He will obviously have, you'd assume, vastly increased expectations on him now, coming into Watford, who are a club that, coming down from the Premier League, will have a, a, a decent enough squad, you'd think. Bounce back at the first time of asking. Last time, did he have any expectations at Forest Green? Was it, was, was it sort of, was this out of nowhere? Or was was were they expected to be up there before the start of the season?
4: Definitely expected to be up there, top six for sure. Um, as I say, they they you know they had promotion pretty much in their grasp last season and threw it away. And the season before, they were up there and threw it away as well. So um, they've been knocking on the door for a while. They're, they're a very well run club by Dale Vince as well. It wasn't totally out of the blue, but but the the dominance. That they, that they showed in, in the early parts of the season was out of the blue. Um, and there's always a risk, you know, there's a risk by appointing a manager who, who hasn't done it before. Um, it's a risk that I think more people should take. I think it's a risk. I think the way that football is changing over the next four or five years, we're going to see way more of these bright young things get chances rather than uh, those who've recently stepped off the man- managerial merry-go-round and are waiting to, to get on again, um, which is refreshing to see. So... I'm really excited to see how it, how it how it turns out. It does also it almost feels to me a little bit like Watford fans are maybe having kind of bounced up and down are maybe willing to to give Edwards a bit more time. Um, you know you've got to think back to to Graham Potter, who's maybe the most similar kind of type. I guess, even though their backgrounds are so different, Uh, the most similar um, type of manager to get a job like this when he took over Swansea, you know, having only managed at And in their first season and his only season managing Swansea, Swansea finished 12th, I think it was. And he was then, because of the work he was doing, was was then poached by Premier League Club. And and, and now I think he's probably, his next job is going to be one of the elite teams in, in England if he ever does move on from Brighton. So I think patience is the key. He's he's someone who's learning on the job as well. But in terms of the ideas that he's shown and his ability to get players playing for him and his background as well, you only have to speak to anybody who's ever worked with him. And his reputation is, is, is very, very impressive. Um, and I think you might have got yourselves a, a bit of a gem.
0: And of course... Mr Adam Leventhal who's been on the podcast every week Uh, what did he know about this choice why did it happen so quickly and why is Rob Edwards the choice of the Watford hierarchy
2: we're here at Vicarage Road uh, before kickoff, we saw the new head coach I believe the term is had gone back to head coach from manager Rob Edwards was introduced to the crowd nice moment he seemed happy to be here with his assistant came out with his with his kids warm reception, as you'd expect from the Vicarage Road crowd. So a new era is dawning, but with me is Adam. And Adam, just wanted you just to really, we haven't had a chance to talk about it on the podcast, talk us through the timeline, really, of the hiring of Rob Edwards, because it happened quite quickly in the end, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Apologies to everyone on
6: From the Rookery End for me and my no-show, the last one, because I was basically busy trying to make sense of it all, because it was a, a really busy day on the Wednesday wasn't it ahead of the, the game against Everton and that was when the decision was was finally made, that morning they made the, the final call really because there had been talks going on with John Eustace I think they had, a, they had an idea that it had got down to, to two and they then
2: in the end opted for, for Rob Edwards. You mentioned, you mentioned John Eustace there Ad, and there was a lot of his name really did heat up in the, in the days before, it felt like certainly around the, the time of the Crystal Palace game and a couple of days after that, John Eustace seemed like the red-hot the red favourite. Did anything happen there? Either party have a change of heart or are we not really sure? Well, there were talks. It was
6: pretty much a, sort of agreed in principle. And I think that that's what's interesting in these sort of scenarios where you, where you find out various sides of a story. For example, with Rob Edwards... You know, we found out the Forest Green Rovers side of the story, and you know, obviously they were disappointed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you spoke about that on the last podcast. I think with with this situation with with John Eustace, there were definitely talks that happened, but there also has to be a situation whereby Watford cover themselves in in a way, and they take it to a certain point with more than one candidate, and then we'll make a, an ultimate decision. Um, well, maybe we should stop and listen to Cucho Hernandez who's just been uh, awarded the uh, the goal of the season maybe here the at Vicarage Road. One of the one of minute highlights of the
2: season here. One of the two, I think. Both, well, the, the, the first was Couto Hernandez's goal against Aston Villa. Do you remember that ad? In the sunshine, Watford winning at home. Such promise and hope. Do you remember that? And then he's, he has just been awarded the uh, goal of the season award for that spectacular goal against Arsenal. So John Eustace and Rob Edwards, perhaps they were looking at them in tandem they've gone for Rob Edwards just roughly add the the timeline I guess of the 24 hours those 48 hours it was finally sort of
6: pushed through in the morning on on Wednesday Um, I think they probably made the decision the day before there were some meetings over the weekend I don't know exactly what was happening on Saturday precisely but the hierarchy weren't at Selhurst Park you can pretty much (laughs) Yeah. Assume that were there were there were meetings going on about the next steps and not really worrying about the the current reality. Um, and just a word on on Rob Edwards and and the fact that we've seen him here today. You know we've only watched the first half. This is prior to Watford coming back and winning six <laughs> two. This was a case in point example of why they made a decision not to jettison Roy Hodgson bring in Rob Edwards because Rob Edwards would be tarnished with anything that is out there on the pitch and boy oh boy do they deliver two goals in that first half completely and utterly avoidable the second of which if Ben Foster stays at home there is no goal it was completely and utterly brainless and that has been the subplot to this whole season for Watford great starts or great spells in places but undone by absolute defensive brain farts week in week out especially here at Vicarage Road so That's why it's like, Rob, come and introduce yourself. Give us a little window into the future. You know, obviously he didn't do anything, but he just came on. It just gives you a little bit of optimism that maybe somehow a new team, a new squad, a new feel, a new culture, potentially, and we've been here before, can be fostered over the summer go and watch it in the stands because then it's almost like a reminder to people this is this season's work this is this season's mess but we do still have hope in the future in the stand and and that's what everyone is hopefully going to go away from Vicarage Road today with just like well yeah it's been like this all season and hopefully next season it'll be a little bit better especially against opposition that aren't going to take advantage of you and make you look really stupid there was no no danger no peril when that ball came in uh, from from James Madison, Jamie Vardy stood on the edge of the box, thinking, "Hang on a minute, is Ben Foster is that is that Ben Foster approaching me, <laughs> about to just fly past me? Yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, it is. Oh, brilliant! Well, I'll just nod the ball home. Thank
2: you very much. I, I'm delighted, Adam, that you have finally reached the crotchety levels that I've been experiencing for about six or seven, seven months now. So, thank you very much for that little just rundown of uh, of what what happened really in, in getting Rob Edwards over the line. I think it's an interesting little note there, because there's quite a lot of criticism of Gino and Scott Duxbury not being at Palace. People just sort of instantly yeah. say, well, they can't even be bothered to turn up and watch. And of course, as you point out, there are bigger fish, and more important things to happen. No, but I, look, I, I don't think that that was the right
6: thing to do. I no, think, agreed. I think that they should have been there and they should have been fronting up and it looks bad, but there is always sort of, Another reason, perhaps, that, oh, right, they, they might have been thinking, well, look, come on, look, this season is, is, is done. They just watched Watford lose against Burnley. They certainly didn't want to go to Crystal Palace and watch Will Hughes pull the strings in midfield, having asked asked that situation up as well. So, you know, I could understand why they probably thought, let's give it a wide berth, and they were able to action it, especially also, which is, it, which is this is all explained maybe in a little bit more depth and a little bit more... Um, uh, calmness in the piece that I've done for The Athletic which you can read which I partnered up with Tim Spears who, who brought in a lot of the um, the Wolves connections you know obviously where Rob Edwards um, cut his coaching teeth um, that there is you know a lot of a lot of background sometimes to these these sort of situations that, that we don't necessarily see and yeah look it's it's not the ideal scenario, but they, they also wanted to act because there are other clubs that were interested in taking yes, Rob Edwards as yeah. well. The other people that would have been aware of maybe some of the nuances in his contract, which, which were raised in the piece as well. So, you know, that's why they wanted to act. Yes, they didn't go to Palace. It didn't look good. But now they've got a manager and let's hopefully it's going to be far better next season in the championship.
0: Mike, yep. a huge amount of information there about this man who's coming in. I love Jackie's positivity and the way she spoke about him as a man and about how he he puts himself out there, how he holds himself in press conferences. That's going to go a long way for me. It's going to go a huge amount of way with, hopefully, quickly, what for fans connecting with him.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And Great to hear from from Jackie speaking so eloquently, but also so um, effusively about someone who I think we've all got a good feeling about. So it's nice to hear Jackie sort of, back that up with her experience. She she knows him well, she knows the club he's worked at well. And I think she, she actually messaged me after she after the after to say the one thing she didn't mention was his worth work ethic, which is absolutely second to none. So if you roll all that up, it's not difficult to see why Gino Potso and Scott Duxbury have, have plumped for this, for this guy um, fresh off uh, some success which we've had precious little of this season that can breed hopefully that, that attitude shift and that culture shift that, that we're looking for and everything that Jackie spoke about there fits what we, what we need let's be under no illusion it's going to be a difficult job but the best way of making sure it happens is get someone in that fits the bill it sounds like he does it and you know Jackie knows her apples
0: George speaks of a, a man who isn't stuck in his ways uh, it definitely felt like when I was thinking back to what Roy did in his first video here when he came to the club, he was saying, look, this is how I play football and we're going to we're going to do this. I'm not going to make any friends. And he's, he's followed his, his word. But he certainly comes across from what George says as someone who is going to see what he's got, harness what he's got and, and get them playing to their best, but also to a team's best. That that excited me, Jace.
1: Yeah, and me. It, 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 from what George was saying, it sounds like he'll be... A really good fit because what he did at Forest Green was he came into a team that had been doing okay but then sort of fallen away so he needed to lift them and whatever the subset of the current squad this season is going to be left next season they boy are they going to need a lift to get ready to be back and playing football in August so if that's something he can do then fantastic and we know again what the model is here it's that the head coach has Less responsibility in terms of the the players coming in, so he's going to be given a squad of players, which it sounds like happened at, at Forest Green as well. He, he came in, took a squad, and like you say, he lifted them, he, he improved them, got them playing to the best of their abilities in a in a style in a setup that suited them. Obviously, it's still a, a couple of divisions up, so perhaps it will be more challenging. He found a sort of a style of formation, a way of playing that was successful with them. What will he want to do when he comes here Will he will he try and and work with that formation again at Watford, or will he try and do something different, slightly different, massively different, depending on the players that he's got and that he's given?
0: I think that's my feeling. He'll do that. I think he he'll, he'll see what he's got and he'll he'll make the the right choices for yeah to to make a team from what whatever he's been he's given. He's not gonna. Almost like, it's almost a big feeling. Of we, we talk a lot about, the, you know, people going, "Oh, you're not working out, mate, let's get rid. Let's move you on. Let's get you out on loan. And the fact that he brought those several players who had been sort of, you know, loaned out the, the season before, you know, two seasons ago now, and he'd brought them back in and he'd made them part of that team and that had been part of their success. Oh, my God, that just seems like everything for Watford. Everything at all. But, Mike, if we talked, you know, about the, what the hierarchy needed to do. What they had to do in terms of appointing, making the, the, the perfect appointment. This does need to be the perfect appointment. In, it feels like anyway. Now, from what Adam said and what you've heard up, you know, from him.
2: So far, so good. Yeah, I think we we recognise what needs to happen, and you know, step one is to get a, a head coach in. They've done it quickly. He was in the ground today to see that, so he'll be under left under no illusions as to the sort of, you know, the hollow husk of a of a team that that's left. Quite frankly he will have seen that you know the complete capitulation he will have been watching no no doubt videos of of what's happened earlier on in the season as well he will be doing his due diligence on the, on the squad and he, he will know what, what, what needs to be done and he will recognise what we've talked about this afternoon what we've talked about ad nauseam throughout the season is that there's a culture issue here and that he's got a massive job on his hands and he will know that characters and getting those characters to perform for each other is going to be, is going to be big now, Jace talked about the, about the model about, the, about Gino Pozzo bringing in a certain player and then the manager deals with it that's got to change to a degree because they brought a manager in with a style and they've got enough time now over the over the summer to work with him to deliver a squad that can play the way he wants to play otherwise there's no, real, there's not a point. I mean, you, you might, he might be as good a manager that he comes in and he can conjure up whatever with the with the players that he's got. You know, Zola kind of did that, didn't he? They just said, right, here's sixty thousand players, go out and see what <laughs> you can do, and it was that sort of balmy chaos that, that that paid off. We're not really there anymore. We need to be more structured, more focused, and you'd like to think that on certainly within the first month of the season. There is at least, if you ask Rob Edwards if he's happy with the squad, he would say yes, and not just a media-trained yes. I'm happy to be here. These are great players. We're going to give it a good, a good go in the championship. He, I want him to go home to his missus and say, "Yeah, I've got what I need here." If it goes tits up, then I can't really blame, I can't really blame the ownership for not not bringing in the players I want. A lot of it will depend on who we can get rid of. There's all this talk of relegation clauses. People still need to want to buy these players. So you know, Josh King, Moussa Sisoko. They've got relegation clauses. Someone's got to we've still got to shift them. So there's a lot of work to be done this summer, but you'd like to think it's going to go hand in glove with the head coach. He is the one that's going to be setting them up week in, week out. We've seen how it's gone so badly wrong this season. We've talked about the players. The head coaches have been crap as well. Let's not beat around the bush. So they've got that wrong as well. This episode
1: is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside
5: to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham.
1: Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End.
0: Two things into the moments we had at Vickers Road. One was the announcement before the game of Hassan Kamara being announced as the player of the season. The player of half a season. Jason, it, it, it's weird. The last left-back to win it since 1984 with Wilf Rostron, we figured out earlier on. It's it, it's a weird thing that, that's who, that he's won it after so few games.
1: Yeah, but it sums it up. Pretty much, doesn't it? I mean, uh, that you, you you know you've had a bad season when someone can come in towards the end or sort of the middle of the January transfer window, play a handful of games and, and not be perfect. He's been good and we've enjoyed him. I think he's got it. He's, he's There's a bit of a connection there, isn't there, as well, I think, which has probably helped his cause. He has still made mistakes. He has cost us a few goals from time to time. But, yeah, compared to the, the, the other players that, that would have been up for it, I mean, who else was there to pick from? Probably Emmanuel Dennis, who faded after the Africa Cup of Nations non-event for him. Cucho chipped in from time to time with a few good performances. What else have you got? What yeah. else have you got? Absolutely nothing. And, and that
2: sums it up. I'm actually surprised they did it. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised they, they did it. But you can't really say anything other than Jason has said already that it is a damning indictment of the state of this season that a player who has played... Half uh, is it? I'm, I'm not sure, not sure. Yeah. Coming in in January and winning Player of the Season, presumably quite comfortably. Well,
0: as what well. what be interesting was how many Water fans did vote? <laughs> you know, no, he did, won did out, that out that of
1: how many? Oh, he did vote from. Okay, yeah. right. Some people wouldn't have bothered because they just couldn't have, couldn't find a single positive about the players that would have that stood them out from the rest of a dire team.
2: And I also want to mention as well the the crowd for the last uh, for Wednesday against Everton and Sunday today against, against Leicester I thought Wednesday night against Everton people might struggle to get out after work so I did, did half expect to see a slightly busier crowd again today but there were thousands upon thousands of empty seats today which is a real issue and we sort of half joke about about voting for for player of the season. It's it's a bit of a throwaway thing, really. But it is a an illustration. It is an indicator that there is a wider malaise here. People, the season ticket holders who have paid for their seats, aren't coming to the football match. Aren't coming to Vicarage Road. So they're not spending in the Hornet shop. They're not talking about it. They're not. You know, the the thing is slowing down. And it, once you stop gumming, it's easy not to come back. And we, we need to recognise that this season, for whatever reason, has left a, a wound between the club and the, and the supporters. I don't think it's as bad as, as, as people like us, certainly me, who spends a lot of time on social media, might think I've called it out before, this, a, a sort of a fractured fan base. I don't think it is that bad. But what I do think is that people... It's easy to fall out of love with football, especially, you know, the, it's, the cost of living crisis is, is real. People are going to have a real think about how they spend their money, where they spend it. And if they don't feel like Watford is a place they want to be, they're not going to come. And so we just need to be aware of that. It's, it's, we're a, it's a really, really interesting, difficult point for the football club. And you could argue that it's the toughest summer and probably the toughest and most important campaign of the, of the Potso ownership. One man who won't be here next season is Mr Ben Foster.
0: Um, looking up stats and stuff, you know, he's, he's up there. You know, I'm not going to go through the list of all the what for goalkeepers ever, and where, where is he sitting in that list? Of course, Tony Cotin's at the top, isn't he?
2: <laughs> for me, absolutely good. Growing up watching Tony Coton, just unbelievable. Absolute legend. Bellowing at the defence, bellowing at the opposition, bellowing at the away fans, bellowing at the home fans. Just an absolute legend for me. Yeah, and but he's up there with, with, with Tony, with Steve
0: Sherwood, with Alec Chamberlain, with these he's players that have played like 200 plus games for, for Watford but Jason how does he sort of stand out from you know if you compare him against those other you know servants to the club how does he sort of stand out from them he's not as he's certainly not the uh, the beast as Mike sort of puts for Tony Coton
1: no he's not he's not Tony Coton style but I' funny because he's he sort of spread across two yeah. different eras we had him right at the start of his career and we've had him right at the end of his career and we've not had probably the the best of, of him but we've still had sort of good service from him. He'll probably be first to put his hands up, like he did, racing to the front <laughs> of the Premier, at the front of the penalty area today, to say he's not had the the best of seasons this season, like the, the rest of the team. He, it's been fun to have him at the, the club. I think I I remember when he when he first came on loan from Man United, first time around, you could see he was going to be a good keeper. He was going to have a good career. He was going to play Premier League. And probably play for England. Probably didn't play enough for England that, that perhaps he should have done from that early promise. I always remember everyone sort of moaning about his kicking because his kicking was wayward. My thoughts were, well, we are a lower half championship or division one club. I can't remember what it was called then at the time. I after if made the conversion, but we were a lower second tier club at the time. Who cares if his kicking's crap? We've, we've got a decent enough goalie here. He's, he's going to be good. He's going to give us good service. And that's how he came. He had, a, a, obviously, a, the Premier League season when we got relegated under Bufoy was, was, was tough for him. He, he had a lot of work to do that season. But again, he sort of left that season holding his head high. And then when he's come back, again, he's he, he sort of towards the end of his career. You don't know how long we'd have had him for. But he performs admirably, I think, throughout, giving us good service. And that connection with the fans as well. I know there's a lot of noise around the YouTube stuff. What he did during lockdown... The, uh, the cycling GK thing, when it, was, when it was about Watford, my son, eight-year-old son as he is now, he enjoyed watching that. That gave him a connection with, with Watford. And that as well, I think, has just sort of made a connection with the fans. You saw at the end of today that it was there. He made a mistake today. He's letting five goals. But at the end, when he walked around the pitch, <laughs> the fans that were left... Gave him a standing ovation. Yep. I think it's fair to say, sang his song, saw him off. I think, yep. and that, that was as much. I think he he, he he at least deserved that for the service he'd given to Watson he,
2: He's been a good ambassador for the club. I think, like Jason said, not not everyone not everyone's cup of tea with his YouTube stuff. But we're old and old and stuffy. I think he's you know he's performed really really well over over two stints at the club. He's helped us out um, when we've needed him. Come up with some good saves, even in the past couple of weeks ostensibly a really decent bloke as well and I think looking back, it's, well, what is great is looking back over the keepers we have had and we have had some real characters and I think what you can say without any fear of contradiction is that Ben Foster is a, is a character and it's, we've talked about character and it, I think that you miss, probably miss them when they're gone a little bit um, and so yeah I, I think yeah, fair play to Ben I'm, I'm, I'm glad we've had him at Watford for these, these two spells and uh, I wish him well with whatever comes next. Thank you Ben thank you very much I'm just trying to think is he the most relegated Watford player ever
0: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't got the statistic I'm not saying anything
2: thank you very much Michael for your time one week to go one week to go we'll be at Stamford Bridge just to put the full stop on it and then I'm going to put this season uh, in a jam jar then I'm going to put it in a sort of lead container then I'm going to seal it in like a car then I'm going to put that car in a transporter and send that transporter to well just off the edge of the coast basically (laughs) into the bottom of the sea Uh, 21-22 season You shall not be missed. Thank you, Jason. I've got a positive for you. Go on. It stopped raining.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, just felt a bit there. We'll be back earlier the podcast in the week with Adam Leventhal. uh, And of course, our final podcast of the season, away at Stanford Bridge. Thanks for listening. Come on, you
6: The Athletic.